0: to the True Neighbor Podcast. My name is Tom Breyer. My guests today are Lindsay and Luke Abel, siblings who were recently sent home from college as a result of the COVID-19 pandemic. Their perspective on this situation is important, and it's important for a number of reasons. For one, if we look at history, and even just recent history, we see that young people who enter the marketplace during a recession are more often than not forced to settle for lower paying jobs at less prestigious companies. Indeed, economists have coined a term for this very phenomenon, scarring, which means that the ripple effects of an economic downturn can linger for as long as 10 or even 15 years, leading to higher unemployment rates and lower salaries for an entire generation. Second, The increasing cost of tuition combined with rising inflation and flattening wages over the past several decades has resulted in an entire generation being shackled by debt. I can speak on this myself. I have a six figure student loan bill that I think about every day. I see my own friends deciding whether they should get married now or wait until they pay off their debt. They can't be entrepreneurial. They can't give to charity, they can't decide whether to get a mortgage now or wait until they have financial freedom. Our lives are put on hold and the reason for this is simple. Tuition at secondary institutions has jumped nearly 30% in the past 10 years, while during the same time real median income has fallen by more than 6%. Nationally Student debt is more than 1.6 trillion dollars and Pennsylvania is in the bottom two in terms of debt per student. Students like Lindsay and Luke are forced now to not only grapple with the possibility of not having an internship this summer or not being able to see their friends on a regular basis, but they are also looking at a future that is far more uncertain than it was just a month ago. I've gotten to know Lindsay and Luke well over the past year, and I know that they'll be successful no matter what. In this episode, you'll hear why. Like me, you'll be inspired by their optimism, impressed by their ingenuity, and moved by their concern for their classmates who don't have the same access to online learning that they do. People like Lindsay and Luke will be able to navigate whatever is thrown at them. Like the rest of their generation, they were born into war in 9-11, raised in an age of a great recession, and now they're sheltered at home due to a global pandemic. But their spirits haven't dampened and their moral compass is set due north. And I think we could all learn a lot from their view of the world. So without further ado, I bring you our next True neighbors, Lindsay and Luke Abel. All right. I'm here with Luke and Lindsay Abel. Guys, thanks for coming on the podcast.
1: Absolutely. Thank you for having us.
0: So, I, um, I think one of the most interesting novel parts about this whole virus is that students are home when they didn't expect to be. And, you know, Luke, you're in your first year. Lindsay, uh, you're in coming back home from New York, where this is really. Um, really taken off in the past couple of days. But uh, before we jump into it, would you guys mind just kind of explain a little bit about your background, um, where you go to school, what year you are in in your major, or at least what you're thinking about majoring in? Uh, Lindsay, you wanna go ahead?
2: Yeah, yeah. So um, I'm a junior at Fordham University in the Bronx right now. Um, I'm studying English with a concentration in creative writing and minoring in film.
1: And uh, I go to Boston College, I'm a freshman, and uh, I'm declared major as political science. So, uh,
0: Lindsay, I'll start with you. When can you recall when this first arose at school? Were there professors talking about it? Was there a, an email sent out by the school? Was it something you just kind of discovered on your own? What was the first time that you uh, learned about the coronavirus when you were at school?
2: Yeah, I think within my my own circles, at least before the school addressed it formally, um, people were just talking mainly about what Trump had to say. Um, about the virus and and, and what he was saying in relation to China and the Chinese population and, um, you know, I I guess just the discourse around that.
0: How long ago was that? Can you remember?
2: I want to say probably six weeks ago, five to six weeks ago. Yeah.
0: Okay. That feels like a year at this point, doesn't it?
2: (laughs) No, it feels like a different lifetime. It does. Yeah. And then I guess a couple of professors mentioned it in passing um, while we were still in classes about how, you know, there's a possibility that we might have to shift to online classes, and if so, um, you know, that they would be totally willing to accommodate to students who maybe don't have, like, a very, like, stable home life or some, you know, drawbacks in their own home that might um, interfere with the online classes. So, definitely from the get-go, my professors were very, like, um, definitely preparing for, like, the worst and being very understanding um, about like the implications that that might have on individual students, yeah. How long
0: was the window between when, when your professors first started talking about it in class and you were home? Was it just a matter of a week or two? Must've been pretty short.
2: Yeah, it, it was probably a week and a half, wow. two weeks at most. Yeah, so it was pretty much, we, we had class one week and they, they talked about it and the next week we were, we were heading home, yeah.
0: Luke, how about you? When was, uh, when was the first time you learned of this and, and how do you remember this coming up in class?
1: Yeah, it must have been probably the beginning of February. Um, I just saw it on Twitter. I just like scrolling through like the, the trending page. Didn't really think twice of it. And then I kind of just remember it progressing slowly and slowly as time went on, but still never gave it like much thought. And then I think the most like distinctive change that I can remember was coming back from spring break, which was, I think, March 2nd to 7th. And it's crazy how like the dialogue transformed after that, because I think part of the reason is it hadn't hit the us yet and then once that did happen that's all anybody could talk about and still it didn't get brought up in class much the professors didn't really address it i know that a lot of people were actually disappointed with how bc approached their communication with students about um how they'd handle this but i remembered i they, they didn't put out any statements for an ex- extended period of time whereas mm. all the other Boston schools and Massachusetts area schools were in constant communication with their students how the administration was handling it but it kind of seemed like BC kind of had closed door meetings where the students didn't get much insight into how um the school would be handling it but I can remember the the day before um we left for cl- we they canceled classes my one of my professors said There's no chance they're canceling campus so clearly there was a disconnect between administration and the professors there wow and so how when you know when
0: they finally communicated that students would be going home how was that executed did they send out a mass email did professors tell you what was that like
1: yeah it was just a mass email um in the middle of the afternoon they didn't even give a a, like a warning that there would be an announcement and like half the kids got the email and then half the kids didn't so then there was confusion there because some kids were like no i'm not seeing this either so Eventually, by the end of the day, I think everybody was caught up, but it was pretty tumultuous until that point.
0: Did they give you a time frame for when you had to get off campus?
1: Yeah. So we got the email um, on a Thursday and then said, by Sunday, you have to be out of here. I think there are a few exceptions. But yeah, they, they just basically gave us three days to get out. Uh, we didn't have classes those days, but everybody seemed like they were like scrambling and we're still just in shock of what was happening.
0: Yeah, I can imagine. Lindsay, what was what was Fordham's process like during this time?
2: Yeah, um about the same. Um we had been hearing closings of like colleges in and around New York City, like Hofstra University, um Fairfield, I think that's in Massachusetts, but yeah, just in the general like tri-state area, there were closings happening and then I think it was a Monday, um in between actually two of my classes, Fordham said basically like we're seizing classes immediately. We're going to cancel classes for the next two days. Um, and yeah, chaos pretty much ensued, like among the students. I think it was a mixture of excitement and confusion. And um, almost simultaneously, when the email came out, I could start. I could hear like music playing from the streets, and it was it was a um, a, a sunny day too. So you know, people were automatically out um, partying, celebrating, which does seem a little counterintuitive because you know, of course, you're supposed to avoid groups at a time like that. But I, I think we were all just kind of. Um, indulging in this this super uncertain time in the best way that we could. So th- that, that's how it played out. Yeah. Did either of
0: your schools have difficulty? I know one of the things that we were down at Dickinson, this was probably in late February, um, a lot of their students abroad were, you know, they had a lot of students in Bologna and Italy uh, and in different parts of Europe. Was Do either of you remember um, that being talked about at, at all at your schools, what this, the, uh, the schools were going to do with, with other students who were abroad at the time?
2: Yeah. So my, my closest friend, uh, her name's Natalie, and she was she was abroad in Ireland. And what Ford, Fordham ended up doing was they sent everyone home from abroad uh, within a few weeks. But what happened to Natalie was she had, um, so Fordham basically canceled all classes abroad. And then um, she had planned to stay another week, I think, to do some, some wrap up, maybe some last minute travel. Um, but then Trump put the travel ban in order. So she had to like, within an hour, pack up her things and and get on a plane back to the States. So I know, you know, not just for her, but for some of my acquaintances who are abroad this semester at Fordham, um, definitely disrupting (laughs) because obviously, you know, you prepare for that semester years ahead and it's kind of a highlight of the college experience, but better safe than sorry, I guess.
0: Yeah. How about you, Luke? Was that um, talked about at all in Boston?
1: Yeah. And I think that was pretty much the first time when I realized personally that how big of a deal this was, was when I heard that they were sending home the uh, study abroad kids. And I know, I think, that, I think they got them back actually fairly quick um, before the travel ban was, ban was in place. But I, I was actually supposed to do a study abroad cr- program this summer in June in um, Tel Aviv, Israel, but that also got canceled. So it just seems like there's a complete hold on any obviously traveling out of the country.
0: Yeah. Wow. That's a, that's a bummer. I'm sorry to hear that. Yeah. Um, so both of you are taking online classes. What, uh, what's that been like? I mean, it, had you had online classes before? Did you find it to be easier, harder? It, is it just kind of just different and adjusting to the, to the new format? Luke, what is, um, what's that process been like for you?
1: Yeah. So I actually started online classes on Thursday. Um, and the first class that I had, we actually had a debate scheduled in the class. It was Intro to Modern Politics, a political science course and uh, we had no idea if that was going to still be on if we could even do it on an online class Um, and considering the professor was fairly old and never used technology before so we didn't know how it would go but actually went surprisingly well Um, and we we use uh zoom i think and it's like a fairly like intuitive like software to work and so far we haven't had any problems Um, how many students are in that class about like 32 i think
0: and so can you all see each other on the screen
1: so i think there's a little side panel where you can see the faces of the students but then when somebody unmutes themselves to speak then they kind of get the main screen so you can still see like who's speaking when but the only problem that arises is when multiple people want to speak at one time and there's also a a chat uh, that you can type out on the side so i think if with good supervision um by professor i think that it can work really well but I think it's going to be very hard for seminar for based classes, which are a lot of my classes right now. Um, so not necessarily easier or harder, but definitely different. But one um, policy that BC actually just instituted was that we can take any of our classes just pass fail instead of a 4.0 GPA scale. So as long as we get above a D minus, we have the option to just have our transcripts show pass or fail so you get the choice so if you
0: if you get a good grade you can take it but if if not you can just give the pass fail option
2: yeah
1: yeah
0: wow Lindsay, what's it what's it been like for you
2: yeah so fordham's also implemented the pass fail policy which yeah i'm not sure if i'm going to use that yet but um yeah online classes have definitely been different um most of my professors are taking either the uh synchronous approach or asynchronous approach so synchronous is when we 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 all facetime via zoom or blackboard to collaborate when our normal class meets. Um, and then the asynchronous approach is where we watch recorded lectures and kind of do the work on our own time, um, obviously with a due date still in place. Um, yeah, it, it's, it, I feel like it will be easier in terms of getting a grade because I feel like professors are gonna be understanding of the circumstances. Um, but what disappoints me is I, I do find it's a lot less engaging. Um, I'm usually someone who like really enjoys going to their classes. Um, and, and as much as tools like Zoom and Blackboard Collaborate are great, and, and and doing what they you know they're doing what they can with the circumstances, I, I don't find myself necessarily like excited to be quote in class. So, you know, I'm still gonna <laughs> go to class, whatever that means, but um, yeah. I, I definitely don't enjoy it as much. Yeah.
1: And one thing to add, I feel like it also puts kids in a terrible position who don't have access to Wi-Fi or like their electricity goes out like they're put in such a terrible position compared to all of us like luckily we get to come to home to hershey and we have a house with wi-fi and we have Macs and such but for students that are going back to lower like socioeconomic areas like they're left at a position where they don't know what to do because their only source of learning is technology i was just going to ask that
0: because it's you know this isn't even like you can go to the library or to Starbucks, right? You can't actually access Wi-Fi anywhere. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and, you know, if if you're, you know, 75% of Americans live paycheck to paycheck and so if your family can't afford uh, to make payments, I would imagine, you know, before you don't pay your mortgage, I would think Wi-Fi is probably one of the first, uh, you know, utilities that might go. And so it, ha- have either of your schools put anything out in that regard in terms of addressing, you know, access to, to Wi-Fi to do these classes?
1: Um, I, I actually heard one example which got me very angry of a student at BC who I know mutually, but he um, actually went home and he his house doesn't have Wi-Fi and his electricity cuts off very frequently and he tried to reach out to a few of his professors telling him about the situation. And like a couple of them basically just said, like figure it out. So I feel like there needs to be some like systematic approach that the university can take to provide for those students and even though like bc is like regarded as like a school that has primarily affluent kids going to it there's still a large portion of kids that don't have those means and they need to be addressed too because they're probably scrambling more so than any of us because we can just come home and do it in the leisure of our beds but they don't know where they're going to get their class
2: yeah I, i i feel the same way at fordham i don't think the administration as a whole, um, like the top hierarchy of of administrators, are really doing much. Um, but I, I guess the the silver lining to all of this is I have seen these kind of small communities arise within the larger Fordham community um, that are making changes. Uh, like for example, my the English major that I'm a part of, it, I feel like it's a very we're typically very close knit, very much in touch. Um, it's a relatively small group of students. And we recently put together a Google spreadsheet, um, all in confidence. And you basically offer up things that people in need can take. And then some yeah. people can collaborate and say like, well, I need this. Can you send it to me? Um, so that's been like a little promising amongst all of this. Um, I know that like, this might be good for some people to know. I know that like Spectrum is giving free Wi-Fi for the next couple of months. Um, and a lot of like the textbook providers have put, um, like the academic t- textbooks online um, for a short amount of time. Um, but th- there's there's definitely been some help available.
0: That's it, and that's one of the uh, you know the silver linings and uh, good things about events like this is that it reveals goodness in many ways, right? And uh, people coming together and collaborating like that. I also saw Comcast, I think is doing sixty days of uh, free internet access for those who qualify. and so there are opportunities. Lindsay, I, I was um I was interested to ask you, you know, are you staying in touch with with your friends from, from college and particularly those from New York? I mean, I, I, I'm sure you saw today that New York now has 15,000 positive cases of COVID-19, which is 5% of the global total, uh, at least as the time we're recording this on uh, March 22nd. Have you spoken to your friends from New York at all? And if so, how are they handling the situation right now?
2: Yeah, I mean... The people that i have heard from who are still in and out of the city it's it's unrecognizable it's a ghost town which is really really disturbing um i've been seeing like photos and images of you know people walking through the, the which are typically the most you know busiest areas and it's just it's empty um i i i guess what what first comes to mind when i think of that is like the bronx and the underserved communities in the bronx um it's like extremely underfunded and I get a lot of the kids, um, like the students, like K through 12 in the Bronx, they depend on this, the schools to provide them with lunch. So I'm just wondering how like, how that's working and, and if they have to stay home, is there someone to watch them or do their parents have to be in work? Yeah. Um, it, it just has a lot of repercussions, like both financial and social. And um, I, I heard today that, that Fordham is going to be a potential testing site for COVID. Oh wow. Yeah, so I, I don't know how to feel about that. Um I guess one side is I'm glad that they're like helping, but it, it, it I don't know if if it's an attempt to get money that feels a little gimmicky. Um so, I don't know. We'll see. I I, I yeah, I, I just think of the Bronx pi- primarily at a time like this.
0: Actually, our team was talking about this recently about how if college campuses are empty, they might be actually a great resource for like extra beds, right? Uh, for patients, if there's overflow, is that what Fordham is looking at, or is this more just like a purely a testing site?
2: Um, a testing site, to my knowledge, but like I think that would be a great thing to implement, considering there's like hundreds of empty dorms with with mattresses and and, and warmth and housing. So, yeah, I, I would love to see them extend to that degree of help.
0: Yeah, Luke, what's um Have you been in touch with your friends from school, and uh, have you changed up the way you communicate with one another? I mean, I know. My friends and I, we did a Zoom happy hour on Friday, yeah. which was pretty hilarious. Um, but ha- have you have you changed the way you are talking to your friends right now? And um, what are they thinking up in uh, you know the New England area?
1: Um, yeah, well, it was kind of funny because the like the two days di- two days prior um, that we left college, we were already planning. Like, my one friend was like, "Oh, my beach house is open next weekend. Like, we can go there and just like see each other like next week since we don't have class." And so my expectations for what my life would be like um, before I actually came home, were much different than what it actually is like. I like have not been leaving the house much at all. Um, And whenever I FaceTime my friends, which is the primary method of communication that like I'll use to stay in contact with them, they're all in the same position. They've all basically been self-quarantining and social distancing for the past couple of days. So it kind of seems like everybody's just in the same boat. Um, Even here in Hershey, I haven't seen many people, and I think it's for the best.
0: Yeah, and so what's, I mean, you were... Just starting your second semester of your freshman year, I feel like that was probably uh, you're probably going back with a much deeper level of comfort to get a feel for campus, right? Mm-hmm. And, and so, you know, a couple weeks later, you're back home. I mean, what, what yeah. were some of the things that uh, you were looking forward to this semester? Was there anything in particular that, you know, you're kind of bummed that you're missing? And what was that, what's that been like just from the timing of everything?
1: Yeah, I mean, I was definitely much more settled in the second semester and even coming back from spring break and winter break, I was just like very excited to get back into it, especially all my extracurriculars. And I really enjoyed um, how my courses were looking this semester and a lot of my courses were kind of contingent upon us being in the classroom, obviously, because they were seminar based um, and a lot of that a lot of it was just like discussion about social issues. So it kind of sucks that we don't have that same dynamic um, within the classroom. And also with one of my clubs, um, BC Biggs, it's a mentorship program. So we get paired up with uh, a kid who's in an elementary school near the Boston College area. And we visit them once a week and like build a relationship with them. So mm. I'd already been meeting with my kid, Brian. He's a third grader for about a month. So it just seems, I mean, it's, it's just so unfortunate that now that that relationship has just been like cut off and um, I'm trying to reach out to his family right now. I'm in communication with like the mentorship program, but it just sucks like that. I was building that relationship, and then just out of nowhere, it's taken away from me. I was gonna say everything kind of got halted like overnight. Yeah. Uh, yeah.
0: Man, that is tough, Lindsay. How, what's um? So I'm thinking back to my junior year, and you know I was still in the bartender mode. Freshman and sophomore year, came mm-hmm. home, worked at Bricker's Pizza, poured some <laughs> Milwaukee's, and then junior year was when I finally was like, all right. Uh, I got (laughs) time to do something a little different. And so I was looking at, you know, summer opportunities and and everything has that um, I know we're still kind of in this week by week mindset with everything. But have you or the school thought at all about what summer employment might look like or or whether it's even worthwhile to apply to to different uh, opportunities? Have you what's that been like?
2: It is. It's a little unfortunate because I do. I have a job at school currently. Um, I work at a production, like a, a film production company um, mm. downtown. So, luckily, I can do my work remotely uh, through that a little bit. But again, it, it, I, I am missing out on being in the office, which I'm usually at during the week. Um, and I guess that's kind of what I had planned to do over the summer: is keep this job um, and not, like live in the in the Bronx in the apartment that I'm leasing for next year. And I was also going to go abroad to Paris because I didn't go abroad um, my junior year so I was gonna go for a couple weeks um, through NYU and, and do some some poetry work there um, that hasn't been formally cancelled but I'm assuming that they'll be um, taking that program away within the next couple of weeks um, so yeah I, I feel very in flux right now um, I, I I can't I, I do want to apply to different internships for the summer perhaps but that almost seems futile at a time like this. Yeah. So yeah, I feel like I'm kind of just um, waiting, waiting for, for for things to get better, and then I can kind of resume my normal like trajectory when it comes to that kind of thing because that is important to me. But
0: what do you um what do you miss the most about about being at Fordham? I mean, I think because of how rapidly everything's changing, one of the things I think this has given me is like a much deeper perspective and appreciation for things that I. Maybe it was taken for granted a couple of weeks ago. I mean, has being home kind of given you uh, a chance to reflect on what you really enjoyed about being at school or what you, what you missed the most?
2: Yeah, definitely. I I find myself missing the mundane things at school most of all. It's not so much like certain events or or um, you know any one thing that 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 I miss the most, but it's more just it's my routine there. Um, I, I had moved off campus to an apartment in the Bronx. Um, for the first time this semester. And I was I was really enjoying that and, and kind of um, getting a feel for like a new community and not being so, um, I don't want to say trapped, but being on campus is, is a bit of a bubble. So I was uh, glad I was able to um, like extend my circle that way. Um, I miss feeling productive. Um, I miss going to my classes. I miss my friends the most. Um, and just my little life there, because I feel like I really had carved out a new, very exciting life there this semester. Um, so yeah, I, I miss all of that. It, it, it does, it's it's sad to be jolted out of that. And luckily, you know, Luke and I have a really, really awesome home life too. So it's, it's not that bad, <laughs> but um, I do miss it dearly, yeah.
1: How about you, Luke? Yeah, I think definitely first and foremost, the people. Um, and then I would say that I, I definitely miss like the routine and structure that I had built for myself while at school. Uh, And obviously it's lacking more so at home. And I feel like that I'll have to kind of build it up again um, because, and now I've kind of come to uh, kind of take home with taking a break and just relaxing because the only times that I've been home over this past year have been over breaks and I just want to lay down and do nothing. But now I have to be in that same environment, but remind myself that, I have to actually get stuff done Um, and also just kind of just the amount of opportunity at school, not to say that back here in Hershey there's an opportunity, but just by the nature of this whole uh, pandemic, there's not much that I can be doing right now in terms of um, getting out of the house, looking for internship opportunities and such. So I think you just kind of have to tailor your your I guess, work efforts to things that you necessarily wouldn't.
0: How often, I was reading an article actually just this weekend, and it was talking about how given how rapidly things are changing, it's, it's difficult to uh, basically tune out. One of the recommendations that this mental health expert had was pick two times during the day to read the news because otherwise, and I find myself doing this too, you're just constantly, whether it's refreshing social media mm-hmm. or, or going online to see what's happening. How, how often do the two of you... Uh, follow what's going on? And, and if so, where do you go to for your uh, your information? Is there like one platform in particular or one news site that you kind of use as your go-to resource?
1: Yeah, I, I try to check it like once in the morning after I wake up just to get any big new updates. And then I'll try to turn myself away from it for most of the day because it's such an easy rabbit hole to fall down. Mm. Um, and then in the afternoon, I'll check again. But one thing that I do make sure not to do is to check it like right before I go to bed because that's just disastrous because I just sit in bed thinking about how bad things are. Uh, so I've definitely been trying to limit that and limiting my time on social media. So usually I get my news from just my Twitter timeline or like New York Times that I usually read.
2: Yeah, I'm <clears throat> a little embarrassed to admit it, but I, I do use Twitter as well. It's just hey, easy. Hey,
0: no, join the club. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
2: And it's, you know, it's 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 short and, and, and often paraphrased. And whether or not that's a good or bad thing, that's usually my primary source for that kind of thing. Uh, my mom's been having, like, CNN on pretty much 24-7 um, updating, like, COVID stuff. Um, but, yeah, and then, I, I don't know. Y- you definitely have to be wary of, um, like, very splashy titles. Like, I, the other day, um, my mom sent Luke and I this, like, kind of, like, scare tactic article about how people in our age group, um, how there's a, an elevated risk for them um, and the COVID yeah. virus. So I'm trying to keep a rational outlook on it while still um, being as informed as possible.
0: Have you, um, you know, I on social media and stuff, you do see pictures of uh, college students like still out at bars and everything, uh, at least maybe not so much in the past day or two, but uh, probably, you know, late into last week. Um, part of that is just because you see that in one place doesn't mean you can extrapolate it to the whole country. But uh, have your friends been doing that at all? Or have they died down? What's what's the social scene been like, at least in terms of what you're seeing from your, your high school and college friends?
2: Yeah, in my circles, at least, it seems really taboo right now. Um, all my friends and I are like, very much abiding by the flat and the roll curve. So like, we're, we're staying in our own houses. If, if we want to you know, connect with someone, we can FaceTime them, we can Zoom them. And yeah, that's not ideal, but it's it's like what needs to be done right now. You know, you've heard how you need to essentially assume that anyone you would come in contact with has the virus. Um, so, yeah, I, I have seen a couple things on social media, which seems a little... It's one thing to go and do something, you know, in public and not be social distancing, but then to post about it does seem even more ignorant. Right. So, yeah, I... I I, I don't approve of that kind of thing right now, but you know, to each his own.
1: Yeah, and I, I feel like that ignorance is just very aggravating. Cause like, you see that and meanwhile, you're sacrificing your ability to do that because you're staying home and doing the responsible thing. And you just wanna, like, it's the the lack of control is the thing that gets me most. Is so I just wanna grab everybody and shake them and say like, if we just do this for right now, this is gonna be like so much better in the long run. Um but I guess people just want the, the short-term gratification. But I just, I think overall, despite what you see in social media of those kids that like Clearwater, Florida, right. I think that people have been very good about taking um, precautions to kind of flatten that curve. And so now that um, you've been home now
0: for, for a few days, what's your time like? What have you been doing at home? Favorite shows? books? Have you started any new hobbies? I was just looking at my brother outside and he was practicing backflips, which was horrifying. Uh, so we're at day three and we're in the backflip stage of quarantine. Um, but, but is there is there anything that uh, either of you have have looked at a new show or a new book or just kind of done something a little different with your time since you've been home?
1: Yeah, I, I knew that um, Netflix would definitely be a black hole huh. if I came back here. So I've been laying off of that as much as I can and actually been doing that. So I'm proud of that. And I finally looked at my bookshelf for the first time in five years and I actually have a few gems in there. So I think I'm going to try to commit myself to reading more. Um, I just bought a JFK biography. um, So I think I'm going to definitely try to do that more. So, and in terms of hobbies, like, I told myself like I have so much free time. I want to be a master at something by the time this is over. I don't know what, like maybe an instrument, but I'm still looking for for my niche. What uh, which which biography is it? Uh, Robert Dalek. I think it's a uh, it's a thousand days. It's about his first or a hundred days. His first hundred days in office, I believe.
0: Nice, that's awesome. Might have to pick that up after you. Yeah, Lindsay, what's uh, what's your what have the past few days been like for you?
2: Yeah, um, we've definitely been spending a lot more time with family, which is always nice, very good to recenter. Um, we've been on, like, walk-slash-hike things uh, the past few days, which is just a really good way to, I don't know, kind of reset, um, mm-hmm. refresh yourself. Um, in terms of just, like, I- I'm naturally a homebody, so it's, it's like, very easy for me to kind of get settled in to routine like this, but um, I have been... Well, in terms of more productive stuff I, I I need to force myself to write more um with, like my own like freelance projects but other than that um I'm nearing the end of the sopranos and I'm on the last season mm. of so that's been uh consuming a lot of my time and be, um i guess is kind of a a way to transport me out of this, this um
0: sopranos that's a worthy investment though
2: yeah, it really <laughs> it's is a, it's a great yeah. show it's the best yeah.
0: Well, guys, um, I appreciate you taking the time to, to chat with me. Uh, I think one of the, like I said at the beginning, the interesting things about what's happening right now is that it, it affects everybody differently. And so, you know, I think this will be the one thing that defines our generation in many ways. I mean, I, we uh, Absolutely. were born into to 9-11. You know, we were, were younger when the first black president was elected, and now, you know, you, you guys are in college. Uh, I'm not too far out myself, and we're in the midst of, or in the infancy, at least of a, of a pandemic. And so it's just fascinating to hear how you're dealing with it and um, and what the experience has been like for you. So thank you both for, for taking the time to chat with us.
1: Yeah. Thank you for having us on to share insights. Yep. Thanks guys. Talk to you soon.
2: See ya.